Welcome to the Silver Screen Podcast. I'm Jared Boomer. And I'm Katie Ganey-West. This is a podcast about movies and pop culture. And today we're reviewing the new Netflix movie, The Power of the Dog, based on the novel by Thomas Savage. Um, there's not a lot of dogs, though, in this movie. Just no. in case you were like, I really want to see some pups. Not There's a few, but it's not really uh, a ton of dogs in The Power of the Dog. Right. So a little also, bit of a misleading title. I'm glad they, uh, this is not a huge spoiler, but at the end they <laughs> explain why it's called that. And it is a reference to the Bible. And I've read the Bible, but I clearly read a different version because I do not remember that part. Yeah, I didn't remember that verse. Um, yeah. And I liked that they had that at the end, though, so I could finally yes. figure out what the title of the movie was based yes. on. So did appreciate that. So Me too. That's what we'll be talking about today, The Power of the Dog. It's getting a lot of Oscar buzz right now for its performances and possibly for Best Picture. So we'll dive into that. Again, it's on Netflix. But before we get into our review on The Power of the Dog, we have some recommendations for today. Don't have any news. Don't have any corrections. So... Um, I don't have a ton of recommends. I'm still on my COVID quarantine. So I've caught up on a lot of things, but these have been things that I've recommended before. Like I finally finished Only Murders in the Building. I'm all caught up on Succession. Um, I've been watching another season of The Great British Baking Show or The Great Mm -hmm. British Bake Off, depending on which country you're from. So that's always a solid like turn it on while you're cleaning or making dinner or something because you don't really have to pay that much attention to it. But it's yeah. kind of light, upbeat. You can just kind of pop in and out. So that's kind of been on while I've been like organizing around the house. That's awesome. Jared, again, I am so happy you are healthy and on the mend. So thank you again for your COVID education for us. <laughs> and I am the same. I feel like I have not been quarantining, but I feel like just life has been busy. It's the end of the year. We've got a lot of stuff to do at work. So I am not really caught up on things. I just have a bunch of random thoughts about this. I did want to say what I'm most looking forward to that I'm sure I'll recommend next week is Sex and the City's spinoff or continuation. And just like that, will premiere tomorrow on HBO Max. I can't wait. Um, The other thing I just wanted to share, I finished Moby Dick. (laughs) Finished it. Jared, did you see my... I did a story on Instagram when I finished it with some dramatic music playing. Did you see it? I don't know if I saw that or not. Jared, so. first the headbands <laughs> and now this. I might have seen it, but wow. I didn't. I wow. didn't have. I don't usually have the sound turned on when I'm on Instagram. So if you know I did see it, I didn't you. have the sound on. Lucky for you, I saved a clip of it on my phone, and I will send it to you. Okay, great. <laughs> it's so just I can like five seconds. Check that out. Um, okay. <laughs> but I am so glad it's done. I turned in my last paper for the class. We've all had our like goodbye discussion. Thank God it's over. I did it. However, this brings me to my last point. Jared, it's going to be a Christmas miracle if I read 100 books this year. This, if you remember, this happened last year. I remember last year at Thanksgiving, I had 15 books left. So this year I'm in just slightly, maybe better condition uh, than the year prior. Um, But I have nine books left. It's December 8th. So about three weeks left. So three books a week. Yeah. Some people that were like, read books of poetry. And I was like, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to phone it in at the end here. I set this ridiculous goal for myself. Well, this wasn't even my goal. I just decided I'm close enough to it. And I did it two years, like the last two years. I might as well just do 100 a year now. 
Um, yeah. But now I feel like that's a bad idea. But I've already said it publicly on here. So I have nine books. So everyone pray for me. And then lastly, though, the book I'm currently reading, I'm absolutely loving. I'm hoping to finish it today. Um, it is My Body by Emily Ratatowski. Everybody's been talking about this book. I thought it was going to be one of those where there was a lot of hype for no reason. And I am really enjoying it. It's um, She's not even like... She even introduces it and says she's not really talking about, I have all the answers to sexism and female empowerment and all that stuff. She's just sharing her experience with her body in this world, being a model, being an actress, how men have treated her, how women have treated her, how her parents kind of instilled that sexual energy in her. Like, really interesting reading. And if you're someone that just is interested in general about, like, gender or feminism, things like that, or the, the modeling world or just Hollywood. This is a great book. And it's very short, um, like okay. under 300 pages. And it's all essays. I also tend to really like books that are full of essays because they're condensed. You know, you could read a couple before bed. And it's not like you have to remember everything for the next day when you start another chapter. But yeah, there really is... good. Okay, good to know. So yeah. there's nothing worse than the book written by a celebrity whether it's a, like autobiography or this or a memoir that's like 200 pages too long just because they couldn't yes. like edit stuff out that happens a lot with like so books written specifically by celebrities you'll read them and you'll be like this was 400 pages it could have been 250 yes because so there's I, just so much fluff in here so yeah so i just that's want good to say that that's, i feel like, like she this just was... kind of included what was necessary so yeah it's like it's and it's well written and she's very she is really bright I mean, I will say that I didn't really think she was dumb. That actually wasn't a stereotype that I had for her. But I I just didn't realize um, all of her thoughts are, are really thought provoking. I can relate to a lot of them, believe it or not. Um, but it's really good. I think it's going to be a top book for me this year, honestly. Good to know. So, yeah. hey, if you need if you need a Christmas gift for somebody, maybe throw that on the list. Yes. So if they're a big reader. So I got it from Book of the Month, too, Jared. <laughs> Jared, unofficial official sponsor. No, but this is the best. So December, you know, is the month of my birth, and also Timothy mm -hmm. Chalamet, and also my brother, um, and many others. So book of the month, you always get a free book for your birthday month, and Ooh, if you're okay. if you're a BFF, you have to be a BFF, which there are stipulations. But once you get BFF status, okay. it doesn't get revoked, which is cool. Anyway. I'm getting too deep into this. They also, at the end of the year, you know, they have five finalists for book of the year and you vote on them. They also, if you're a BFF, give you for free one of the books that was nominated for the top five. Well, I, oh, okay. weirdly enough, I had ordered this year four out of the five finalists. Uh, I've almost read all of them, but the so I had one left and I got it for free and then nice. I paid for two. So it was really nice. So I only had to pay for two books, but got four in December because normally you can only get three. That's the maximum. But December is different because of my birthday and book of the year. Kind of nice. Yes. So you kind of get to like double dip for the month of December. Yeah. And awesome. I think, so. didn't you read Razorblade Tears? Did you read that? I did not. I read oh, um, I thought you the did book for by some Andy Weir that you said was nominated. Yes, the, the, yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was Why not top I think five, of the title though? of that? I can't either. <laughs> I can think of The Martian, and I can even see the cover of the book in oh, my head. Project Hail Mary. Thank you. That's what it was. Yeah. But yeah, I did I order that. That. So. that was not okay. in the top five, but it was a finalist, um, and I do have that. I just haven't read it yet. But it's too long nice. for me to read when I've got nine <laughs> left, so that's going to be a 2022 read. <laughs> 
yeah, short short books to get to the goal. This so. has been Book Corner with Katie and Jared. Thank you for joining. And now we'll move on to our discussion on The Power of the Dog. This was another Netflix movie like Red Notice and like something else that we talked about recently, but I can't remember, where it had a couple of weeks in theaters and then came to Netflix. So it may be in a theater around you, especially if you're in a bigger city and you maybe if you want to go see this in theaters, that may be an option. It's not playing anywhere near me. It's just on Netflix, but November 17th, it came out in theaters and then December 1st, it came to streaming on Netflix, which is kind of, I get it's the first day of the month, but it's also kind of weird because it was just like a random Wednesday and it was on there. So it is my mother's birthday though. So, okay. I was like, <laughs> shout out nice, Patty. I don't think Patty would love this film. Uh, I'm going to tell her about it, but I don't think this would have been her, her personal taste. No, knowing Patty, I don't think this would have yeah. been one that would have been like in her top 10 for this right. year or anything. No. So, uh, it's rated R for full nudity and brief sexual content. Its runtime is two hours and seven minutes. And then IMDb, it's a seven out of ten. So pretty solid. Rotten Tomatoes, big disparity between the critics and the audience. That's not unexpected really with a movie like this. But critics, 96%. All the critics love it. And then audience, it's 64%. So yeah. not nearly as high. No. And the box office, it's made $160,000. Worldwide and domestically, that's all that's listed. Again, it was in a few theaters, mainly a streaming release. It's made a little bit, but it's not going to make uh, you know, a ton at the box office. I will say this was one movie that I did not see it when it was at the Heartland Film Festival, but it oh. was one of the movies that did show at the Heartland Film Festival okay. um, back in October. So, so some people got to see it back in October. So they had a really good... I talked about them a couple episodes ago, but they had a really good lineup this year, and a lot of the movies that were there are coming out now. And This was one yeah. that was at at the Heartland Film Festival. So if you don't know the synopsis for this movie, it's, it's a Western. A charismatic rancher Phil Burbank inspires fear and awe in those around him when his brother brings home a new wife and her son. Phil torments them until he finds, insp- finds himself exposed to the possibility of love. So... Kind of have a lot of different storylines going on in here Jared, throughout this, this film. Yes. I'm going to stop you right there. Did I miss a major plot point? I don't know. Did you? What did you not understand here? So <laughs> when it says expose himself to the possibility of love. Yeah. That's kind of like that's the second that half of the movie. Is that alluding to the young man? Yes, I believe so. Okay, That's what I so gathered when I watched it, <laughs> I didn't miss it. However, I thought it was only going one direction, not being reciprocated. That's so interesting. That adds a whole new layer. OMG! I think this movie <laughs> might have just gained two points, but we will see. Okay. Wow. Yeah, that and, is an interesting point because it's not. Yeah. It's not completely obvious. If no, it's, it's not overt. You know, if both parties are interested, or if it's just more one party. As opposed to fascinating. Both, so. Well, also, everyone, there will be spoilers. There's no way to talk about this movie without spoiling the end and talking about the dynamics between the characters. But that's all I'll say. Jared, I did put our man, James Berardinelli, in our <laughs> critics. James, I, I James. missed him. It'd been a while. Christmas is coming. I just thought, let's end the year on some good notes. 
I'm glad James saw this one. Uh, I, because me too. He, he hadn't seen the last couple we did or just didn't have reviews yet on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. So I get it. Your movie critic. It's a busy it's busy time this it's time of year time. for sure. Yeah. So but James Berardinelli does have some thoughts on this movie. And he's with real views, of course. And he says, overall, the power of the dog probably isn't as powerful or wrenching as Campion intended for it to be. But it remains an unsettling piece of cinema. Unsettling is probably my favorite word to describe this entire film. Unsettling. Next up, we have Ty Burr of Ty Burr's Watch List. So just like reps his own organization. He changed because he used to be something else. And oh, I noticed, was he with another company? Okay. Yes, because we have referenced him quite a few times. And today, like I was pulling the, the quotes and I really liked his. And then I was like, oh, well, he's changed. I guess he got oh, his own show or something. He must have left one of the big, because he was with, I think he was with one of the bigger. Like, I do too. It was like Rolling Stone or the New York Times or something like that. I don't know. So we'll, we'll look up Ty Burr. But yeah. Ty Burr for this movie says how do we know benedict cumberbatch is a serious thespian because we have no idea who he is off screen he's just entirely the role he's playing in any given moment and those roles change radically well shoot ty burr was with the boston globe boston globe okay. how about no but i think he i don't know if he left or what but he had at least been with the boston globe since 2002 Wow, Ty, come on the podcast. Tell your story. Yeah, for real. Or James Berardinelli. My God, if I met James Berardinelli, I don't even know what I'd do. It wouldn't be as much as Tom Hanks, but I'd be starstruck. James Berardinelli does have a Twitter account, and I have, I've thought about messaging him a few times what? to ask him to go on the show, but I have not done it yet. Okay, I'm going to follow him right this minute on Twitter. Thank you so much. Okay, please continue. My okay, apologies. We have, we have one more critic review for this episode. It's from Beth Webb of Empire, who says, The narrative here feels somewhat underdeveloped, but Campion remains a master of sensory storytelling, delivering a scorching study of masculinity rooted in in fear hmm. and this movie is directed by jane campion uh she's a new zealand director best known for the piano the portrait of a lady and the series top of the lake and she was also a writer on a lot of her productions just about all of them that she worked on she was also nominated for best screenplay and best director for the piano in 1994 and ended up winning for best screenplay that year does not have any upcoming projects listed this was her first project i believe in quite a while um for this particular movie and i have not seen the piano um i don't I know if you've either. seen that okay no, i yeah. feel bad that i haven't seen it but i have not I have not seen the piano either. So if you want some more Jane Campion, uh, you know, films, that would be one to check out. It does appear that the piano is on Netflix right now. So if you're interested in oh, checking shoot, that out. Oh, shoot. Is it really? That's what it says here on my, my gosh, on I'm Google. I'm adding so many. So. I'm just adding things at a, an alarming rate. I mean, forget Christmas. <laughs> I'm just going to have to watch TV for four days straight. So we will take a quick break here on the show. We'll come back. We'll talk about the cast for this movie and our likes and dislikes for The Power of the Dog. And we're back here on the Silver Screen Podcast talking about The Power of the Dog, new movie on Netflix, starring in the lead role, Benedict Cumberbatch. I noticed there's not a crush award on here for Benedict. Is he not one of your dudes? He is not. Okay. I know. <laughs> Jared, I love when I surprise you, though, because I feel like it doesn't happen a lot, um, but I think I've stumped you. And yeah, Benedict, I think it's because Benedict reminds me too much of me, his okay. very fair skin. He has, like, distinctive features, but they're still attractive, but they're distinctive. You know what I'm saying? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Yep, I, I don't know it. if I'm dissing myself or complimenting myself, but <laughs> I, I just, he just doesn't do it for me. I think he's a wonderful actor, though, and seems like a genuinely great guy. Um, I did want to tell people right before the break, sorry, I know we're starting the cast, but um, the piano, we mentioned the piano. Jane Campion, who directed this film, also did. The piano was nominated for a screenplay Oscar. Um, that movie is on Netflix now, but it's only on there till December 31st. So if it is something Ooh, you want to okay, watch, okay. like me, it's only going to be there till the 31st. So. Anyway. Good to know. So, Well, thank you. Back to the cast. So first we have Benedict Cumberbatch. We can do like um, pretend there was a crush alert if you all, if he does it for you. <laughs> he plays Phil Burbank. He's an English actor best known for The Imitation Game, Star Trek Into the Darkness, August Osage County, Doctor Strange, and playing Sherlock Holmes on BBC could be my favorite role. It just depends. In 2015, he was nominated for a Best Actor Oscar for The Imitation Game fantastic movie. He has many upcoming projects, including next week's Spider-Man No Way Home. Jared and I are pumped for that one. Doctor Strange. It really is. I, I think it is. Doctor Strange Into the Multiverse of Madness, Rio, and Magic. And Magic is spelled M-A-G-I-K. I just want the people to know. That's incorrect, if you're wondering. <laughs> Definitely uh, a, a very varied career for Benedict Cumberbatch. I mean, one of the Seriously. reviews said that kind of just really, you know, slips into a role. And this is different from other stuff that he's done. I mean, this and like Sherlock compared are completely different. So he's really shown he's still, I would say he's definitely very established at this point, but still hasn't been around as somebody, you know, as long as like a Tom Hanks or Brad Pitt or a Matt Damon or somebody like that. So he's still fairly new in his mm-hmm. acting career it's probably been about seven eight years at this point but everything he's been in has been fairly solid so oh yeah and i think this role you bring up a good point i know we're not to like yet but this role is so different for him i agree with you and i thought it was interesting i feel similarly to this movie as i did about house of gucci but house of gucci was just so much more my taste but in that everybody was raving about lady gaga's performance because it's so unique it is so different from her on stage persona it's fantastic i feel this is that for benedict like this it's just weird that we saw those movies back or excuse me i saw those movies back to back (laughs) (laughs) sorry jared i forgot um anyway back to this uh jesse plemons is next jesse plemons plays george burbank he and benedict are brothers in the film he's the same age as me jared i didn't know this born the same year nice he is an actor from texas best known for the irishman game night and TV shows Breaking Bad, Friday Night Lights, and Fargo. Next up, he will be in Antlers, Windfall, and Killers of the Flower Moon, which I'm very excited about, and I plan to read the book. In real life, he's engaged to Kirsten Dunst, and they have two sons together. Very nice. Yes. And next up, what a perfect segue, Kirsten Dunst. (laughs) She plays Rose Gordon, so she is married to his character in the film, and in real life, they're engaged. It is pronounced Kirsten. For those who want to know, I have looked it up. I've heard him say it. It is Kirsten, but spelled Kirsten. So if you're confused by that, join the club. She is originally from New Jersey and is best known for Spider-Man, the one with Tobey Maguire, that series. Yep. Melancholia. Interview with a Vampire, and the TV show Fargo, and my absolute favorite, Little Women, the 94 version. And she currently does not have any upcoming projects listed. Nice. I'm wondering, you know, we have Spider-Man coming out next week. There's yeah. been big talk that, like, Tobey Maguire and uh-huh. Andrew Garfield might be in the movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She might be in that. I don't know. Like, <gasps> but 
I don't know if we could have like two Mary Janes. That would just be kind of weird. Like if you had Zendaya and her in the. I in mean, the Doctor movie. Strange is in this one, so maybe it would yeah. be like a weird psychedelic. Like they went back in time or something. Yeah, like who yeah. even knows what's going on there? I don't know, but I'm just saying she could. I mean, uh, I haven't heard anything, but I wouldn't. No, but be I've heard like, the rumors about the other ones. It wouldn't sure. shock me if she was in if yeah. she was in the new one. Yeah. So. Okay, likes and dislikes for The Power of the Dog. First like is that it's a very uh, dramatic story. It's also a very slow burn, which depending on the type of movies that you like, you may enjoy that or you may be like, I need something to happen. Please, you know, let's move this along. Which even though this was a slow burn, Mm -hmm. I never had that thought of we need to get to the next thing. I don't know. Yes. Because I thought that Benedict was really great. All the performances were great. There's a lot of like kind of mystery element going on. There's tension building throughout the whole thing. So I, whereas some slow burn movies, you're like, okay, please just like go do something in the story. I didn't feel like this movie had that problem, even though it was kind of slower in its in its storytelling. Yeah. I didn't feel that till the very end. Just close okay. close to the end, I was like, all right. Like I was checking the time. How much time do we have left? But... <laughs> I agree with you. I didn't know if I should say slow burn because I want, I meant it as a total compliment. I like that it seemed like a slow build to like everything that happened at the end. But I also loved the chapter. So Jane Campion put in, there was like a design so that it was almost like a title credit or something, title card, that um, after there would be chapters, the movie was broken up into chapters. So it would be like chapter one, chapter two, whatever. And I thought the length of those was Excellent. It was almost like when I was talking about reading the book by Emily Ratatowski that is done with essays because they're short snippets of time where something significant would happen in this movie and then it just continued on, but it totally moved the story forward. So that was a huge compliment and it's something that I think is rarely done and it's hardly ever done well. I also liked with the chapters how you knew as the viewer that we were kind of advancing through time. Never knew how long that was. Sometimes it was a couple days. Sometimes it seemed like it was maybe a couple months, maybe Mm -hmm. a year. Mm -hmm. But I liked that they didn't like... I don't know, like spoon feed it to you and have to explain like, no, it's six months later. It's like you kind of just if you're paying attention, you understand that like things have advanced. Either somebody moved or they got into a new, you know, position or they're working somewhere different or, you know, their physical or mental health has improved or, you know, declined depending on the length of time. So I liked really, like you said, this the storytelling, the chapter aspect was cool. And I liked how they didn't like try to dumb it down. Because they probably thought, you know, that you would understand that if we're going from chapter two to chapter three, we're probably advancing yes. a little bit further down the timeline. So yes. it also helped make this movie not too long, super duper long. I mean, it's a little too long, but not like insanely long. Whereas if they had put every single detail in there, it probably would have been like two hours and 45 minutes. Yeah. Now it would have been a really long movie. Uh, but so. Jared, prepare yourself because freaking West Side Story is two hours and 37 minutes. It's as long as House oh of Gucci. Oh, my gosh. Which House of Gucci was excellent. And a musical, I'll have a little bit more grace with a musical, but not one that has Ansel Elgort in it. So we'll see. We'll yeah, see. the new Spider-Man is really... I, think I thought it was really long, too. too. Yeah. Yeah, it says two hours, 28 minutes. So not not <sighs> as long as I God. thought, honestly. Yeah, but, so, they, but man, every single movie. But I know. Anyway. We can't get a nice 90-minute movie in Give here. Give me a so. 90 minutes. Uh, also, it was uh, really interesting how this movie focused on toxic masculinity and how that affects people. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, this was set 
in the 1800s in Montana. 1925. Or sorry, 19 early 1900s. I don't know why I remember that. I just remember <laughs> it said Montana, 1925, and I was like, oh, interesting. So, or in the 1900s, yeah. uh, this is when this was set. But obviously, you know, times were different back then. Yep. Things have changed. We've progressed, which is obviously very good. So, but I did like that that was kind of a focal point to the story. Yes. And it was really the people, the people, Benedict, his character is kind of the one that's like exuding the toxic masculinity. Mm-hmm. But what you see is how that's affecting the other characters around him. You know, Jesse Plemons' yes. character of the brother, Kirsten Dunst, Peter who is Kirsten Dunn's son in the movie, um, how all how that affects kind of all of them. Yes, completely agree, Jared. I love, we don't get a lot of, with everything with the Me Too movement and just talking about gender, both uh, non-binary, all the talks that we're having about gender in this world, you know, you hear the phrase toxic masculinity a lot, but I can't remember another film recently that was like, this is our theme. This is what we're talking about. So I really appreciate that they chose to have a conversation about that. And exactly what you said. I loved seeing how it affected, mostly negatively, the people around him. Obviously, the other men, the other ranchers and stuff were in awe of him. They were just like, oh, he's so wonderful. But clearly their line of thinking is similarly. But then we see... Another thing that bothered me, I was glad they showed it, was that nobody really knew how to stand up to him either, even his brother. His brother seemed very comfortable with himself, Jesse Plemons' character, but he never really stood up to him, got in his face, or had a fight, or, you know, he didn't really engage in the behavior, but he also didn't really challenge it. But I thought that was really interesting and very realistic to how toxic masculinity can affect people. Um, But I also loved... I told Jared earlier, I thought for sure someone was going to get raped or something terrible was going to happen because Phil's character was so creepy with his sister-in-law, Rose, who Kirsten plays. And I thought for sure he was going to attack her or molest her or do something. And he didn't, which is great. Spoiler. But he didn't. Um, So again, that's a credit to how creepy the movie was. Um, But I liked that they really only had this conversation about his masculinity, not raping and pillaging and having poor behavior with women yeah he even though he is you know obviously struggling with this it's really just like he's handling it very like introspectively and kind of just like by himself which obviously people in the movie address that and say hey this maybe is not the best thing for you um so but you're right i liked how it had a different different approach to that because i thought too that you know there was probably going to be something like that where there was a rape or somebody gets killed or something of that nature and that doesn't happen in the movie which was it was nice that they just addressed it from a different angle so another like we've kind of already talked about this so we won't dwell on it too long but obviously good acting in the movie benedict's doing a really great accent um obviously he's british so that's tough to do an american accent but he's doing a really good he's doing like a western accent yeah yeah it's very clear it's not someone that's trying to speak slowly so that they can sound more american or clear it's so good he he probably to me is one of the best uh english actors that can do an american accent that sounds authentically american and then everybody else was really solid too. Jesse mm-hmm. Plemons is really good in this. You know, Kirsten Dunst is good. So really Kirsten pretty Dunst, solid cast. cast. I thought that um, I hadn't seen her in anything since Fargo, I don't think. I did watch Melancholia. That is truly one of the most depressing films I've ever watched. Um, but she, what I loved about her acting in this was it was very understated. She didn't do a whole lot, but she conveyed a, a lot with her her acting as far as um, struggling with drinking and struggling with what to do with her son 
and being embarrassed in front of these some of these rich and fancy people. I thought she did a really good job and understated as the way. And I think sometimes that's really hard as an actor to do. Yeah, and I uh, this, this is probably not a hot take, but um, this might be some relationship advice. But if your wife says, hey, honey, I don't want to play or perform in front of these people because right. I don't think I'm very right. good, don't just like spring it on her while there's seven and people over for dinner. You're <laughs> newlyweds. Stop that now. <laughs> don't uh, just be like, play us some a song on the piano. You've been practicing. I felt so bad for I mean I was a little like get over yourself Kirsten but I also was like yeah he should not have put her in that position so if you all are no. interested and you haven't watched the film that that scene alone is kind of worth it so yeah yeah that's a very good like 10 minute sequence yeah. so uh I, we already kind of mentioned this a little bit too but a good slow burn with a really terrifying psychological element to it there's yes. a big twist that happens later in the movie you see a character do something um, and then you don't really know why he's doing that. And then later on it's revealed why that happened and how that affected things at the end. So, but again, you don't really know why that's happening until the end, but I thought that was really good storytelling. It really has a nice twist at the end of the, at the end of the film. Yes. I was looking back to see what we re- reviewed this year to see what the last film was that made me deeply um, unsettled and concerned for what was going to happen. And I think it was probably Promising Young Woman, which I was obsessed with. Um, Because that film, you knew probably wasn't going to end well or something bad was going to happen, but you didn't know to whom. And I felt like this was the same movie. I was like, something horrible has to happen here, but who's it going to happen to? What's going to happen? So I, I thought they did a great job with the psychological messing with people and then no need to dwell on it but i also liked where the um setting was that this was in montana i think the last movie i remember being in montana was um a river runs through it that's a throwback from the 90s it is yeah um but i think that's the last movie i can remember distinctly that was in montana so i thought that was neat and seeing something in the 1920s in the west was cool yeah that's kind of the first movie we've gotten this year that's been kind of in that setting which is nice so not like the jungle or I don't know, whatever setting Space Jam, a new legacy was, the the multiverse or whatever, you know. So nice cool setting. Uh some dislikes for this movie. One, if you're not a fan of uh animals getting either, you know, beaten, slapped, killed, any of that stuff. Castrated. Yeah, I would suggest you probably don't watch this movie. There are numerous scenes in this movie where there's a lot of animal cruelty. Some of it to get the point across that Benedict Cumberbatch's character is just a really bad person. Um, And some of it's just, you know, it's a ranch. It's their farming, things like that. But still, there is a lot of it in this movie, kind of all throughout. Yeah, um, I have to say I am deeply disturbed that this movie was rated R and it says it's for full nudity and a brief sexual content. And at no point do they say anything about animal cruelty. I'm aware they did not commit these crimes on animals, but I'm surprised we'll add something like smoking to reasons to rank something, whatever. But we don't consider animal cruelty or like child neglect or scenes of abuse and stuff. That should be on there. Um, So, yeah, I just want people to know because I I am really um, moved by animals and care about them very much. And I was extremely disturbed without any thought. That was easily my least favorite thing about this whole film was the animal cruelty. It was graphic violence. Um, And 
again, if this helps you, if you're like, I don't know if I want to watch this, you can definitely watch it. Um, but just beware that's going to happen and tell yourself, you know, it didn't really happen in real life to these animals, but it was bad. Um, so I absolutely, absolutely hated it. And just another note on the graphic stuff. There was a lot of nudity in this film. It's all men, though. You don't see any yeah. parts of women, which is that's completely backwards, too. I think that was purposeful, especially since we're talking about toxic masculinity. And we are talking about 1925. People probably were bathing outdoors and less weird about nakedness. But just know there's quite a bit of full frontal situations. It's not like you see it for a long time, but you do definitely see that multiple times. Uh, another dislike for the movie is that it's definitely not like a happy movie. Like if you're like, I'm going to pop this on for something that's, you know, enjoyable some and some laughs around the holidays. This is not that movie no. at all. Uh, it's very depressing from the get go and kind of continues that tone throughout. So it's just not, it's not like a happy watch. It's pretty heavy. Definitely. You are so right, Jared. Extremely depressing for me. This, um, so ultimately this is going to affect my score, the animal cruelty and this. I, this, this is just a me thing. I like movies and tend to review movies better if it's something I want to watch again. And that's all, that all depends on what you go see a movie for. I want good acting and I want a good story, but I also want rewatchability. And this movie doesn't have it for me. This is a one-time watch that I could barely get through because it was so depressing. Um, not saying it's not worth it because it's a great story and it's great acting, but it's a one-time watch for sure for me. Yeah, if somebody in your life watches The Power of the Dog 15 times, you may want to have a intervention with them and just say... Get them in therapy you, right yeah, away you and to go take to therapy? the kids. <laughs> uh another dislike is it's it's kind of too long katie put in the notes it's a half an hour too long i don't know Mm -hmm. if it's that long i think it's definitely 15 20 minutes too long but there's definitely stuff that they could have cut from this movie like you said more so at the end than the beginning the beginning was really interesting really good speed yeah well in the half hour thing i was copying there was a critic that said that um, okay. Who I think gave it a high rating, but they were like, this was a half an hour too long. And I thought, honestly, I don't really disagree with that. I think there was a lot at the end you could cut out. Well, and then this actually perfectly leads to my next thing that bothered me. Um, and the only other thing, I was super confused by the relationships in this film. Um, not that I didn't understand who was who, but for a while, like I thought for a while, we see a headstone. And so we know that Rose's husband died, her first husband, which is Kirsten Dutz. I thought it was their dad. So I thought, which it was, Peter's, but I thought it was both of their dads. So then when somebody was, I, I don't even know what made me put it together, but for for a couple minutes and scenes, I thought that Rose and Peter were brother and sister. Okay. And so it totally changes the dynamic. And it was because of the headstone. I'm pretty sure the mom, I could have made this up, but I think the mom was also named Rose. And so then I was confused yeah, now, weird the story decision. Yes, or the headstone could have said something like loving husband to Rose and father to Peter, but I don't think it did. So either way, all I'm saying is to me, it was not clear who the characters were at the beginning and why they were related. And then I also was extremely confused by this Bronco Henry character. Not that he was a person people admired. So Bronco Henry, all of these guys, these ranchers revere Bronco Henry and they talk about him nonstop, especially Phil, Benedict's character. However... I thought Bronco Henry was their dad, like Phil okay. and George. 
Because there was some line in there that almost sounded like paw, but then they kept talking about their old man and their old lady referring to their parents. And then I thought, was Bronco Henry a, a dad and then their new guy is a stepdad? I, I got confused. I think it was more either wording of something or similar names. I don't know what happened, but I was very unclear about a lot of these personalities and who was whom and like why the governor was involved with their family. I get that they're rich and maybe that's why, but I was like the governor, like the governor's traveling. So I guess he had nothing to do, which maybe he didn't. It's the wild West in the 1900s. But (laughs) but the fact that the governor knows these Burbanks and decides to like come out there spur of the moment for a dinner. It was very, I just thought that was weird. Um, And I think a lot of that could have been cut out because I don't know, in my opinion, that it served the story. Yeah, the Bronco Henry stuff was kind of weird. I think I understood that it it was, like you said, he was kind of like a mentor or somebody that everybody looked up to, but you never see him in the movie. You just see pictures of him or people talk of him kind of in passing, like that he was this revered kind of cowboy rancher type person. So I got that. But like you said, the dinner thing with that, with those uh, people coming and then all of that, I think the really interesting relationships here are the ones between Phil... George and then Rose and also Peter, who is the kind of the younger, not really a kid, but teenager in the movie. Um, those are kind of, if you just focused on those four, I think you would have been fine, like you yes. said, because you didn't really need that extra, the extra storylines or people. So, yes. agreed. So, that's basically all of our dislikes. So, we'll move on to our grades now. Um, but first, before we do that, I'm assuming we, th- we probably think this film will get nominated for some Oscars. Yeah. I'm thinking probably Best Picture and then best Benedict acting. and Kirsten Benedict. Dunst. Yeah. 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 I mean, Jesse was good, but I think Jesse has done better and will do better. So I don't think Jesse mm-hmm. will get nominated. But I could see Kirsten, but I could definitely see Benedict getting nominated if no one yeah. else. Um, yeah, Jane think... Campion, people seem pretty obsessed with her. I could see her getting a director okay. nod. Okay. That yeah. would be cool to get a female director in yeah. there because we've had a lot of male male-dominated movies so far yeah. this year. Yeah, and I have to so. say this reminded me ever so slightly of Nomadland. And I think we yeah, know how I felt did. about that one, but it's a female director. It is it is predominantly out in the West, um, but I would definitely say I would prefer this storyline to Nomadland, but that's just me. Anyway. Yeah, well, Nomadland doesn't really have much of a story anyway. It's just kind of Francis McDormand Gosh. going around, you know, I, I living as a nomad. I get to this day with people about that, but it's okay. Anyway. I got to have some structure. That's what mm. We like structure on this show. Mm. Give us give us some outlines, some bullet points, some, you know, for real. plot things we're trying to hit. So, yeah. so now we'll give our grades for this movie. It's my turn to go first. Um, I'm going to give this an 85. <gasps> I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. Uh, is that your reaction? Is that low or high? I had no, I had 85 and I went down okay. 1 point okay. right before you started talking. <laughs> Okay, so you're going to go 84 84. Then. 84 for me because I don't want to watch it again. The graphic violence really bothered me. Not, and not Honestly, graphic violence bothers me, but animals bother me more. Um, I don't know why. Probably because they can't really defend themselves as much. But anyway, it was, a, it was a good movie. It's well done. I will never watch it again. It's deeply depressing, and it's a little too long. Yeah, I would. The same thing you said. I would not. probably watch this again so it's kind of a one and done thing and i think like you said that kind of bumps down the score a little bit because if a movie's really good and rewatchable then you might put it higher just you might give it an extra five or six points just for the fact that you know you're going to watch it again at some point in your life and this one is definitely probably a no so 
there you go. That's our thoughts on the power of the dog. We're right in line with each other. I know. We were pretty Love pretty it. close with each other on that movie. So it's on Netflix if you do want to go check it out. If you want to, you know, get caught up on things before Oscar nominations come out, which those will come out in a couple of weeks. I think beginning of end of January, beginning of February, mm-hmm. normally when they get announced. So that'll be coming here in the next couple of weeks. And then next week on the show, we'll be reviewing probably the, the most anticipated movie of the year. If I had to, you know, pick one that is everybody is excited for. That's Spider-Man No Way Home. Yes. So I hope Tom Holland finds a way home, though. I know. I, if I he hope he doesn't get home. You know, I'm going to be sad. Something <laughs> tells me he's going to, but we'll just have to watch <laughs> and see. The movie just starts and it's just him with a map. And he's like, yeah. there's no way Where home. Am I? He can't use GPS. <laughs> he has to use a map. <laughs> he's outside of, you know, the city. So he's very confused. But that'll be our next episode of the Silver Screen Podcast. The last Marvel movie for this year talking about Spider-Man No Way Home. Until next time, we'd like to thank the Academy.